friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. I wasn't prepared for it, and I was a believer. And up until that point, and this is a really interesting part of my life in that up until that point, I had sort of just had this really innocent faith, this faith of, oh God, you know, you've given me so much. I've always had opportunity. I was surrounded with opportunity and never wanted for work. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to London and I didn't know how to navigate my faith in rejection at that level. Happy September, everyone. Can you believe it's already September 1st? I don't know about you, but I'm already looking forward to sweater weather, scarves, and all things fall. For those of us here in Texas, it'll still be a while before those days actually arrive, but I feel like September sort of brings with it the anticipation of fall and what's to come. Another really exciting thing about today's episode is that I have the pleasure of announcing our very first giveaway winner. Be sure to listen at the end of the episode for the announcement. You can become a monthly supporter of the podcast by joining our Patreon community. As a supporter of the podcast, you get access to extra content that is only available for patrons. We post new content regularly for our patrons, including things like a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into creating a podcast, and bonus content from the conversations with guests on the show. You can learn more at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. My guest for episode 13 of the podcast is the lovely and engaging Lara Bianca Pilcher. This conversation was my first time to meet Lara, but we connected right away, and I know you're going to love her as well. Lara is a British-Australian actress, dancer, singer, writer, and producer who works internationally. In our conversation, you'll hear about Lara's journey from her beginnings in dance to her current ventures, including work as an actress, writer, and podcast host. We talk about life as a freelance artist and the realities of what it looks like to pursue a career in the West End in London. I love Lara's thoughts on reframing rejection and keeping perspective throughout the audition process by focusing on being prepared and continuing to develop as an artist. We chat about Lara's work as a writer for Dance Informa magazine and some of the adventures she's had as the host for the Victorian Dance Festival or VDF podcast. She is the founder of Artist House International, a not-for-profit organization. Artist House International uses the tool of creativity to help transform lives through gatherings, outreaches, and an incredible podcast. Lara has a passion for fostering community amongst artists and utilizing the arts as a witness. We talk about how Lara, her husband Andrew, and their children are on mission together as a family. Through her work in ministry, Lara connects artists from all around the world. Enjoy my conversation with Lara Bianca Pilcher. Oh, Lara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so honored to be here on the other so end. So for of you, the it's the morning, right? <laughs> Tuesday yeah, morning? It's 10 o'clock tomorrow. So I'm in the future talking to you from wow. the future. That is so <laughs> crazy. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Cool pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm so glad that we got connected up and wanted to just let you introduce yourself and maybe tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Well, I'm Lara Bianca Pilcher and my husband and I moved to Melbourne, Australia, not too many years ago. Um, and prior to that, we spent a good part of a decade in London's West End circles. I am a 
it's it's funny because when you introduce yourself, you put it in order of kind of like if you say actor, singer, dancer, dance becomes (laughs) the least important. There's a correct way to do it, but I don't like to do that, but you have to list them. But actor, singer and dancer as well as Mm -hmm. a producer and director and a news journalist and a writer. I'm very creative. I love all those things, but I'm not good at visual art. I don't do don't do well with my visual art unfortunately yeah, well, there has to be some area right <laughs> not good at that <laughs> gotta like leave something for other people right now <laughs> I can't paint I yes. can't sculpt and I can't paint <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never really been super yeah great at painting or drawing or sculpting either, I'd like so. to be it would probably really help calm me down because I'm like right. for those of you who do the Enneagram I'm a three so I'm like really right. wired yeah. I'd probably be very good and mindful to calm myself down and just <laughs> right. I guess writing is probably that way to a degree as well. Writing or not in my head, but yeah, it okay. should probably be. <laughs> it should probably be that. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I enjoy the enneagram as well. I'm a nine, so uh, what's like a nine maker? And Aww. it's very You're a nicer uh, person than me. I'm just gonna <laughs> about that. To we just don't around. say it. <laughs> let's be real (laughs) so funny but yeah we like to keep the peace and kind of you know make sure everyone's good and um just it's fun learning about it because a lot of times it's you don't necessarily know even what you're feeling or what you're thinking because you're Mm. I tend to think about what other people are feeling or thinking so I have to really like take a second and evaluate okay what do I think about this I don't know I still think peacemakers are the nicest people in the room (laughs) yeah it's funny how I can talk to two totally different people on very different ends of a spectrum and they both think that I agree with them. <laughs> Cause you know, you're just like, so, you know, Oh, I understand, you know, <laughs> so funny. So you want to describe th- uh, threes a little bit more for those that may not know. Oh, the, the overarching label on us is that we're achievers. And so, and you know, they talk about with Enneagrams that being something means that you tend to get your value from it. And, but mm. also a sense of, and it's you know what kind of is your underlying why so for me it's like I get up I think what can I achieve today mm-hmm. the bad side of it is that if I don't achieve that's where you kind of can feel like I don't feel valuable I don't feel right. like I'm yeah well the same with like my husband who's a two if he's not helping he's a helper mm-hmm. he can feel I'm um, you know, that he's not giving enough in it, uh, to the world. But um, flip side is you've got to learn to be still for the achievers. So. Right. But achievers are behind a lot of stuff. They tend to be the ones that are like planting something, doing something. It's just very hard to sit still, initiating right. something. Initiating new things. Yeah, 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 all the time. A million sort of plates spinning and um, it's hard when you're a mum too because watching Peppa Pig doesn't feel like I've achieved anything. That <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's a great point. It's, uh-huh. it's can, it can be quite challenging, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's definitely a journey for sure and kind of learning to appreciate those moments. Yeah. And yeah. It's like every day when I pray, I'm like, help me just pull the reins, Lord, and just slow down and breathe. Right. And be okay with not doing as much today mm-hmm. if, if that's what you want me to do today. So. Yeah. I'm sure in this season as well, have you guys been more yeah, in lockdown no, kind of thing? We're in three. I think it's the same globally, although I'm not exactly sure, but we're back into a three lockdown at the moment. So um, we're only allowed out for four reasons, like getting medical things or groceries and things like that. Yeah. Um, Maybe a walk a day in your local area only. But we're, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're back in that and we're possibly going into a four, which means nothing. (laughs) Well, you can can get medical things and, but, um, 
it, yeah, we, we're, we're in that place. And, I, you know, everybody's sort of doing different things. We had a little bit of freedom on Wednesday last week was our last day before we went back into a lockdown. And so I lived like it was my last day on earth. I, oh, yeah. I did everything. I went to the beach. I went to the mountains. I went to a fancy restaurant. I went to McDonald's with my family. Nice. <laughs> We lived like we didn't have, a, you know, limits on our bank account. It was crazy, but it was like right. really fun. <laughs> that it sounds so much fun. Yeah, that's a yeah, great idea. Yeah. And it's nice when you know that. You're like, okay, I have one more day. What can we to do? To live my life. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear a little bit about your beginnings, where you got started in the arts. And obviously, you're very, you know, wide range of different art mm. forms that you love. So kind of how that began. <laughs> That describes it so well because I remember straight out, I, look, my mum was very creative and she, and I honour her for that, she put me into ballet from a young age. Mm-hmm. She wasn't as lucky to have ballet lessons. Her childhood was quite broken. So, you know, I remember her actually coming into my ballet lessons and learning as an adult in my children's ballet class oh, because great. she so wanted to have the opportunities that I had in a different generation. And so I grew up doing it. And by the time I got to year 12, which is our final year in Australia, I went straight in, I auditioned and got straight into a dance degree. And through that whole time, I remember being really greedy and being like, I want to be in the acting department and I want to be in the singing department. So I auditioned for the musical and I got a role in that and I would do the musicals. And then I ended up being the student representative. So I was the leader as well. And Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do everything. I always wanted to kind of, I don't like the word triple threat because it sounds horrible and you might not be a threat at all. You might not be (laughs) that talented. Maybe just a triple gift. Like I was very greedy and I wanted to do everything. And so I did. I kind of slowly worked my way through doing that for three years and then straight after that decided I want to do musical theatre. So I did a year of musical theatre training kind of on that, on the top of that. Mm-hmm. And then just I kept doing private singing lessons that whole time and yeah. I started a dance studio and that ran for 10 years and oh, wow. I just wanted to do everything. Through that whole time, actually, I was freelancing as well. So I would audition for things and then you know, get on planes and fly to America. And, you know, that's how I met Cynthia Newland, who many of the listeners will be aware of. Um, She had a company at the time. Yeah, she was in California at the time. Oh, that's so great. She's actually going to be, so the time that we're recording this, her episode comes out tomorrow for us. So (laughs) So it's going to be really fun. So they'll be able to look back. Hear yeah, about oh, her good. life. Well, you'll know who Cynthia is, and if you don't, it's the episode before. Yes. <laughs> um, but Cynthia is just lovely, and we, we, you know, I lived in her home, worked in her dance company at the time, and then we flew to New York to dance in Project Dance Times Square at the beginning, the very beginning oh, of Project nice. Dance. That's where I met Cheryl. And my story is that everyone in the company had this fantastic day to go out and see the Statue of Liberty, which was exciting for me as a, an Aussie living in America. Right. I'm British Australian by nationality. And so I was like, I've never been like, I had an experience like this, but I didn't go. I went and to help pack goodie bags. Um, oh. And that, yeah, because Cynthia actually was really great. She led by example. She always served. Mm-hmm. And so I gave up the sightseeing and went to pack goodie bags and remember feeling like that's what the Lord wanted me to do. But I ended up that day spending a lot of time with Cheryl and she was like, oh, I have a vision to take this 
event to Australia. And so right at the beginning of it, I was the first person to take Project Dance uh, to another nation. And as you probably know now, it's been in many nations globally and it's been around for a really long time. So this was in 2003. Okay. Yeah. And now it's 2020. (laughs) I think that's right. I think I've got the dates right. So as you can Mm -hmm. see, it's been a really, really long time. And that's that's sort of my beginning. And I, 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 from, I guess, you know, after all that years of freelancing, I just said to my husband one day, we, I got married in the process of all of this. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I said, did y'all meet through freelancing? Oh, yes and no. Actually, it was a bit of, he was in my church, but then I got asked to sing for like a carols by the sea because at Christmas time in Australia, it's summer, so you can be by the sea. (laughs) So we were singing together and my husband was playing my husband. Um, Like my husband now was playing my husband. but That's so funny. That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) And then we kind of fell in love through that. And I said to him, I always wanted to just go to Broadway or West End and just go for it for a while and so he said let's do it which was crazy mm-hmm. so we'd been married three years and then we just left and left and I sold the studio and I went to London wow went, so was your yeah, studio in Australia funny. yeah so okay. I left it behind that was really hard that was a really tricky journey for me because I had 200 students 12 staff absolutely loved it and I flew back and forth from London to, uh, back to Australia a lot for about three years, mm-hmm. trying to juggle both, not planning on actually staying in London as long as we did. And then I think God just had other plans and um, yeah. someone had said to me, you know, your w- wingspan is a lot broader than you're letting yourself be. And so I kind of laid my older life mm-hmm. behind, not easily, and went to London and did the whole West End thing, studied my master's at Andrew Lloyd Webber's school and just just went for it for a while and yeah that, yeah. that's an e- easy a fun and an easy but also a very challenging journey for sure yeah I'd love to hear more about your freelancing time and uh, maybe some of the highlights but also some of the challenges you know what was that season like yeah look when you first moved to uh, you would relate to any arts hub whether it's New York or it's London or it's wherever people go like LA as well, you see these sorts of places in films a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have a romanticised view of them. And when you first move, it's exactly that. You go around, you look at Big Ben, you get in the red telephone boxes, you get in the black taxis, you do mm-hmm. all those things. You go to Buckingham Palace. I remember we bought a car over there and I was driving and I just went past Buckingham Palace and thought, I'm just trying to get somewhere and I'm driving past a palace with soldiers. Right. And it was really crazy. But tourist London is not living there, London. It's, it's a really mm-hmm. different life. In, just like New York, you're going to probably live in a tiny apartment, a one-bedroom because it's so expensive. So true, yeah. And you're not going out and seeing those sites a lot. You're kind of in your little apartment and it's a very, very difficult life, particularly for, for me who grew up in the wide, wide open spaces of landscape and beauty. And mm-hmm. my husband's... Um, British Australian as well. He's got a British passport and our children are British. They were born there. So we kind of had a love for both countries, but yeah, it's very hard to live in these tiny inner city apartments. But Mm -hmm. at the beginning it was exciting because I felt like a big fish in a small pond where I had come from. And when I got to London, I was like, oh, everybody's like me. I'm not that unique. (laughs) I'm actually really common. There's heaps of people like me. Not, you know what I mean, in a healthy sense. 
there's lots of performers that really take this seriously and want to make it their life. And that was London. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I loved it. I think you were asking about the challenges of it though, but I was not prepared at the beginning of that journey for what kind of rejection I'd face because a lot of artists, if they come from another city where they might be rarer, you just go from opportunity to opportunity. And I'd also Mm -hmm. been freelancing and traveling the world at that point and um, on contract work. But to go into the West End of London and kind of come in and try and get onto West End straight away, I mean, you have to work, you have to tread the boards for a while. Right. You need to meet casting directors. You need to be kind of networking a lot. It's kind of who knows you as well Mm -hmm. as who you know. So a little bit, you might be very good and you might go for an audition and you might do okay, but they will probably go with somebody that is known and that they have some kind of connection with over you if that if that's the case. That makes sense. So you yeah. know, you don't know, you don't hear why. Um, sometimes you just don't have the right look, you're not the right, right weight, but just all of that kind of rejection is quite challenging. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't prepared for it and I was a believer. And yeah. up until that point, and this is a really interesting part of my life in that up until that point, I had sort of just had this really innocent faith, this faith of, oh God, you know, you've given me so much. I've always had opportunity. I was surrounded with opportunity and never wanted for work. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to London and I didn't know how to navigate my faith in rejection at that level. Yeah, There's no class that I had taken to prepare me uh-huh. for that. And I'm talking like I would, when I, I was young too, so I'd get, I'd get in there and I'd spend absolutely months working on an audition, go in for the first round, get a call back, pin so much hope on it. Imagine what my life would be like if I actually had this thing to start looking at real estate of where I have to move <laughs> to for whatever. Right. And then you go and you do it and you get, you know, cut in the first, the callback, but the, the cut of the callback and you're just like, oh, it takes the wind out of your sails and you just don't know how to navigate that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But after time, I sort of realised that, you know, not to take auditions so seriously and yeah. <laughs> not to pin everything on it. And when you do get the success, it's like, well, that's a blessing rather than I've pinned my whole hopes yeah. on it. Um, yeah, there's been a huge journey there that you might want to ask me another day because it's huge to get to the point where I can go in and do yeah. an audition, just like part of my work and a blessing to actually have an audition. That so. is super huge. That's really hard not to, yeah. you know, just put everything into that. And like you said, start just envisioning life that way. I, you know, can definitely yeah. relate to that at times in my life too. And it's it's difficult, but that's so beautiful to get to the point where you are seeing it as a blessing and just, you know, kind of being more open-handed yeah. with it. That's super incredible. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that may be walking through that right now, you know, they're really pushing hard, trying to pursue a career in the arts and they're facing that rejection. You know, is there any, I guess, word of encouragement that you would want to give in relation oh, to that? Yeah, absolutely. It's what what's the key has been the key for me is realizing that when you're in a city that doesn't have a lot of its ex- existing opportunities you have the opportunity to create your own stuff there is so much you can be doing collaborating with others thinking what you know breathing for a day and stopping kind of looking to others for opportunity and actually saying i want to do something and and doing it i think that's really important mm-hmm. 
you know, whatever city, but if you're in an arts hub and you're going in and you're, you know, going hard for like those kind of places, some people are really blessed and they do get like, as we say, a break Uh straight away and they go from job to job. But my revelation of seeing that firsthand is even those that have gone from job to job have moments where they're doing massage work because they've got six months where they're not in a contract. Mm -hmm. It's so normal and it's so okay. And it's so natural and completely fine. But for me, I got to a point where if I got an audition, I treat it as actually a performance and I should already up until that audition be ready for it. So mm-hmm. I'll get it maybe two days notice, but I'm, the whole time that I don't have an audition, I'm just working on my skills. I'm doing my singing lessons. I'm getting my audition folio ready and not keeping songs in it 10 years ago that are not my casting anymore. Yeah, I'm doing a dance class, you know, um, I'm listening to at the moment lots of Zoom talks, casting directors, and I'm working on my marketing as an as a performer because so much of it is the relationships that you make. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing it consumes my day, and I'm so happy doing that. So that when an audition comes, it's like great, a great opportunity to perform, and then I forget about it and move on. And if they say you've got the job, great. And if they don't, that's fine. It's really normal. Right. I've been in the casting seat too, where you know there'll be. I have to choose from 20 actors and they're all really good and any one of them could have done it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, having sat in that seat and looking and thinking, I actually don't know who I would choose. They're all equally good. I just have to almost go eeny, meeny, miny, Uh miny. When you see that, you kind of go, oh, this is actually a little bit sometimes of just right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. You can call it divine intervention, whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's tricky and it's challenging. But there's so much you can be doing, whether it's creating your own stuff and you should be as a creative, whether you're in a job or not, you should be mm-hmm. as a discipline creating. And then um, on the flip side, just preparing yourself to be the best that you can, even without opportunity. Yeah, that's beautiful. So those are the challenges that you've got to keep going. I heard a saying recently, there's a lot of talented artists, but there are not very many ready talented artists or prepared talented artists and I think that's a a real key and I think I want to be the ready prepared talented artist that's so good (laughs) that is so good and it's great because it's practical too you know steps that people can take right now and not feel like you're just waiting for that perfect moment or opportunity yeah yeah you're never waiting you're never waiting like that's a it's a really bad mindset because and I did have it for a while you're never waiting by the phone Mm -hmm. you're always initiating something creative whether you're journaling and it's just your morning pages which I don't do by the way I'm not much of a (laughs) morning person I'm normally writing a script for myself or collaborating or doing something like Mm -hmm. that doing my own work on film recording my own scenes with other actors or creating a choreography or directing a musical or whatever it's doing, mm-hmm. just something else that keeps your juices flowing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Keep that inspiration. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. So I know you mentioned that you are a journalist as well. Um, so how did you get yeah. into that? This is the funniest story because it's one of the, it's a real God story actually, because I was just home one day and I got a call from the founder of the magazine um, that I work for. And it's a, uh, it's basically Dance Informer magazine, USA and Australia. It's mm-hmm. in both nations. And I had met the founder years before at the beginning when I was producing Project Dance Sydney, I'd met the founder. Oh, okay, yeah. So years and years ago and we hadn't had a lot 
to do with each other. But then out of the blue, she just rang me up and said, you wouldn't want to do a day a week working for us as a news journalist, would you? And she told me what was involved. And I was like, wow, this is really left field. I don't (laughs) see myself, you know, in that. But it takes somebody that knows the industry or the biz and needs to know what's going on in the industry. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is best to be somebody that's really immersed in it and kind of has their ear to the ground. And I prayed about it and it was exactly the the money that we needed in our account in that time that we were a little bit short to kind of make all our ends meet. And I could do it remotely because writing, you know, you can do it from anywhere remotely these days. And so I said yes and I became a news journalist. And from there I got these so many fun opportunities from interviewing people on the red carpet to becoming a podcast host for the Victorian Dance Podcast, which is really exciting interviewing people all over the world that are in the, the heart of the industry yeah. and just lots of things, like lots of really exciting opportunities. Um, I'm on so many red carpets and I'm writing every week, like what's happening in the US or Australia or wherever. We are going to launch in the UK at some point as well. Okay, cool. But it's just really, it's really fun because yeah. it's just another kind of string to my bow that keeps my creative juices going. And I'm already trying to stay in the know, so it kind of helps to do this because then I'm even more in the know. Right, exactly. <laughs> kind of what's happening. Almost yeah. forces you to stay in the know, but that's great because it's something you're passionate about and want to do. Yeah, anyways. so passionate. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that, I guess, was mm. that what led you into podcasting? Yeah, for for Victorian Dance Festival, uh, which is a different, um, it's uh, brought to you by Dance Informer and Energetics. So they somewhat produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into that particular role. But I'd already been doing the Artist House International podcast. Oh, okay, okay. That so that one started first. Having known, yeah, so having known how to do it, um, as you know, it's a bit of a <laughs> skill within itself. Right. And I always loved talking. I mean, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's great. I'm happy with a microphone and give me some topic and I'll just make up a whole whatever about <laughs> it. That's partly, you know, being an actor and being able to improvise as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind it. I'm very happy to have a microphone in my face. That's great. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of one thing led to another. It's funny because sometimes you're doing something that I don't like to sacred secular divide, but you're doing something that maybe is in the kind of box of this would be more ministry or unpaid or mm-hmm. something like that. And it sometimes leads to something else that might be paid. Yeah. Not always, but in my case, several times, that's what's happened. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've ended up with an opportunity and a job out of something I was doing, serving in the sense of ministry. So it's it's connections, it's relationships, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that is so good. And that's actually a good kind of intro into talking about Artist House International. And yeah. so I know that's something that you and your husband built, is correct? Yeah, this started, um, we were walking, We were, at the time we were living in the West End in London, like literally living there around the corner from Oxford Street in a tiny little one-bedroom basement flat oh, nice. which I thought would be good it's actually the servants quarters where the servants used to live in those big old oh, manor houses yeah. it's not that nice because you get no sunlight oh. <laughs> but we'd pop up you know up to the ground from in our little burrow under the ground <laughs> and we were walking around just to get to Hyde Park which was down the road and um I was saying you know I'm already functioning I have this this sort of language where I'm like whatever you're already functioning in you can 
make it into something. So I was already functioning with a passion to pastor artists. I was already doing missions. I was already doing these things. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I want to make it a a charity. And so I applied to make artists. Well, at the time it was Arts House International, but somebody else had that name, so it's now Artists House (laughs) I applied for making a charity and sort of made it a bit more formal. But we would invite West End artists or anyone that was industry-based that was a believer and an artist Mm -hmm. that would say, I'm doing this for my career. We would invite them over and I'd cook for them. Mm. And we would speak about some aspect of being a professional and a believer in the industry. And my husband would often lead worship. We'd have a meal together. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, it was fine because I was only feeding like a handful of people. (laughs) And then it got so packed like my apartment was packed and you couldn't fit any more people so we moved it into the west end into a little cafe and people would start bringing and sharing and we'd have these gatherings called arts house and we just wanted to we wanted community because when you are strengthened by community this is why it's so important you have the strength to keep going you can have somebody help carry the rejections as well as the successes Mm, we have artists come that are very successful and they have their own challenges and pain and the things they're going through as Mm -hmm. well as joys that they can often come and speak and share their own stories. Yeah. So we would get them in, they would share. It would just be such an encouragement and fuel us. And I remember thinking at the end of every gathering, I feel so alive being with these people. These are my people. Mm-hmm. And we formed some amazing relationships. But from there we were also heading over. It wasn't far from London actually, flying over to the other side across the towards France side. Mm-hmm. And we were involved in missions through Creative Arts Europe and I still am uh, to oh, this day. Neat. So a big aspect of what we do is, you know, that, yes, the arts is my work, but I also use it as worship and I use it as a witness. So we would fly across and do a mission and spend a week giving out and take in Western artists or other artists with us from dancers to actors to filmmakers to teach these young people oh, on these. that's neat missions and I tell you they would be alive because not only were we together but we were doing something other than trying to get work right yeah that can be so life-giving to it's so life pour out Um, you know yeah although challenging because one of the actors for example she had major callbacks like for the cat for cats like massive musical in the middle of it so she's over trying to teach and she's flown back to London to do the callback and come back again at, at a minute's notice so we get it and we were like, we will make that work for you. We're not going to hold you to, mm-hmm. I'll cover your classes today, whatever, because we get it. Right. This is what it's like. Mm-hmm. But there's, it's just there's so much life and joy in doing that. So, yeah, we've got a few different hats from community and community building and producing projects. Part of that was Project Dance and then also flying across to do missions with young people using arts as a tool to help transform their lives. And we've seen that to be the most incredible fruit come from that. Yeah, (laughs) that is so, so cool. Super neat to hear about it. It And that definitely, I feel like, I'm like, oh, that sounds like something I want to go to, you know, just having community, having a meal, getting to talk and share. And that's such a a neat, um, like you said, thing that you're probably just already doing, but to make it a little more formalized and be able to share more people. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. That sounds really fun. <laughs> Absolutely. It is fun. So <laughs> yeah. cool. 
Have you heard of Faithbox? Faithbox is a monthly box subscription that helps you grow in your faith. Each box includes spiritually enriching devotionals, Christian books by your favorite authors, and exclusive eco-friendly products that do good for their community. Each faith box is built around a unique theme to help you live your faith values every day. To learn more about Faithbox, check out creativeimpactpodcast.com slash faithbox. Now back to my conversation with Lara. When you were starting Artist House International and kind of making it a little more formalized, did you face challenges in that or was it a pretty smooth process going into kind of a charity setup? Oh, no, if one of the biggest challenges I think I've always faced is the amount of administration mm-hmm. that I did. I didn't do a business degree, you know. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, there's not many creatives that are actually performers um, have. Some might go into it later and that's great. Yeah. But I was learning as I went and having to write documentation and like who do you ring and it's always been a lot more work than I could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. um you have to have these sort of legal documents and bank accounts and yeah so it's not easy you don't just kind of ring somebody oh to be a charity it's actually really hard Mm -hmm. so I'd spend a lot of days a lot of days just doing so much admin that I hated it yeah you had to have a good bit of dedication to (laughs) this is really what I want to do yeah exactly yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and I don't want to have to do the paperwork but I want the outcome of the paperwork so I do it but I hate it because I'd be like in my my little flat in London sort of typing all this stuff out, wishing I was doing a class that day and thinking I should be doing a class that mm, day. Yeah. But also realising that, you know, what I'm called to is multifaceted. It's not just one thing. And mm-hmm. I really felt passionate about this as well. And I've always seen it as a whole thing. The juggle is hard, yes, but I've seen all of it as a as a whole, like that that doing the missions, doing the industry, it's all the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. I don't see that as I wear this hat or I wear that hat. And that's the bit that's challenging, especially when I added having babies. Yes. <laughs> whole nother <laughs> element. <laughs> that brought a whole new bunch of challenges. Yeah, to, I bet. To everything. yeah. In a beautiful yeah. way, but I'm sure your heart too. <laughs> yeah. I say, I joke to other mums um, and, you know, it's dads too. It affects dads too. But I'm like, you, I can do everything I did before, but now I just do it tired. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good description. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's all right. It's great that you and your husband are able to work together in ministry and also kind of just encourage each other. And I can imagine that having him and his support, you know, stepping into those things makes it yeah. a lot less maybe daunting. I could, you know. Uh, it's, that's completely true for me. I really admire people that kind of up and move on their own. Um, I mean, I did do that. I did. I was in America on my own, but I knew the people I was coming in to mm-hmm. um, spend time with. Um, I was certainly brave to do that, but I admire the people that sort of just up and move to a big city completely yeah. without knowing anybody. Like I think, oh, that would be so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met so many people like that in London, but my husband has, I think one of the challenges for me is I have... <laughs> directionally not like in the dance studio challenge but geographically oh, yeah. I'm really bad like I don't remember where I I'm, I'm normally because my head's off dreaming about some project but mm-hmm. I'm like oh I don't know where I am and London at the beginning was like oh it's like 
I don't know where, how to get home. That would be really scary. (laughs) And so he would be like my navigation literally. And he's, yeah, he just helps me not get lost. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And do you want to share a little bit more about what he does? Because it sounded like he has a really great story as well, just even in his industry. He's such a legend. Like he moved initially to London for me and he loved, like he grew up acting and performing in musicals and singing barbershop, which is so cool, Mm -hmm. and and then became a physiotherapist. Thank goodness because (laughs) two freelancers is challenging and many, many listeners might relate to that. but, But he really still had this huge passion for the arts and then marries me and I had this dance studio at the time and he would come in and teach clinical Pilates to the students to try and, you know, treat the dancers, things like that. And then we moved to London and I went in for a singing lesson and the, the teacher was like, you, your larynx is sitting up a bit high, my, like my voice box yeah. for those who don't sing. And I went in, she said, go and see this physio on in the West End on Harley Street, which is like the King's Speech is set on, that film is set oh, on neat. Harley Street. Yeah. It's a famous medical street. And I went in and I look and there's all these files of all the musicals in the West End from West Ends like Cats to Phantom of the Opera to Wicked to whatever. And I said to my husband, you have got to come in to, with, to my next appointment. Yes. And so he came in and he sat there and he just watched quietly what they were doing and they were treating my voice, which is this really unusual thing that we had never seen anywhere else in the yeah, world. super and fascinating. Yeah, he got offered to go on tour with Swan Lake, like, wow. um, but because we were married and we had just moved to London, I'm like, I don't want you to go on tour with Swan Lake. And we were really concerned because it was his dream job. Mm-hmm. But I said, me alone in London without you for six months, I just don't think I can do it. I just got here and I don't even know how to find my way around. You know what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> he got offered um, a place in the clinic. And, and then after a while, he started to oversee voice and he got skilled by the founder of the voice physio and he treated over 40 West End shows. He was speaking on the arts and how to, to work safely with, you know, at Guildhall and these famous like arts colleges mm-hmm. that people dream to be at, like the Juilliards of London. Right. <laughs> and, and he just became this really, as he's called in the industry, smiling assassin. <laughs> Because he, he hurts people to get them better as a physical therapist. Or a physical therapist. <laughs> it's really special. And so he's got a real niche area that he works with professional artists as a physical therapist, physiotherapist. And um, I'm saying two words because it's different in different countries. Gotcha, yes. Um, and the voice, the whole body, and he's really specialised. And he's just, yeah, it's great. It feels like we're doing the same thing and that we're in the same industry. Right. That is so mm-hmm. neat. And I think that's really super cool. great. We need people like him in, in those industries that are helping to keep people healthy and, you know, increased longevity as well. So super neat. Yeah. So cool to hear about his story as well. (laughs) He's really fun and he gets it because he has us, you know, us creative types on the bed in pain sort of spilling their hearts out of (laughs) how hard their life is all the time. (laughs) He totally understands. Yeah. (laughs) That comes home to me. (laughs) Right. That's funny. That's awesome though. Sounds like a really great person. So and maybe we can have yeah, him on sometime. Is. That would be really fun. Yeah, yes. You can ask him anything. And I'm really excited actually about, you know, what we're going to do in the future. And he's involved in a musical that I'm involved in at the moment. So sometimes our paths kind of come together and it's really exciting. That is, that <laughs> is super exciting. So what are yeah. your, I guess, current and future plans right now or endeavors that you're in? Oh, it's kind of really exciting because um, we're really praying about a few things and um, we 
you know, probably being a podcast host myself, I, I think it really encourages me as well, Mm -hmm. but I really believe in being positioned and aligned where you can flourish. And we are constantly praying and looking and saying, are we flourishing in our gifts and our skills at the level that we believe we're called to? Mm. And it's a constant prayer for both of us. And so that's really been a question lately that are we in the right alignment for this next season? And we're the kind of people that, you know, when you sign up for the industry, you don't necessarily stay in one place because you might go on tour or, and we've always traveled because of our careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're just sort of looking at that because the musical, which is under embargo, so we can't actually say the name of the musical, but the musical we're involved in is going to um, launch in America. Oh, neat. So at, well, <laughs> when we're allowed, yeah, we're allowed to, allowed to travel again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we'll at some point be back not even across the pond it's actually the other side of the globe That's but we'll true. be back over for that <laughs> really excited about it and it's a, actually the story of the musical it's a new musical we're really passionate about it's a real musical for our times mm. and yeah and that's I love story that's got power to transform mm. it, I like gritty stories stories that have some you know as well as just pure entertainment sometimes right. like fun, the substance like and depth yeah, to yeah, it yeah yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely, where you come out and you think, I've been changed for the better. Yeah. It sounds like a line from Wicked the Musical. I love but- Wicked, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I actually traveled with my students. Um, we took, I direct a dance team, and we took a trip to New York um, right before everything shut down. Oh. So literally we were there like March 4th through 7th, got to enjoy Wicked, and we saw Aladdin on Broadway oh, and just take so cool. classes, and it was so much fun, so. And then you wouldn't have known that would be your last trip. I'm like, I guess that was our finale. It was our big hurrah (laughs) right before everything closed. So, but it was a beautiful time. That's a good finale. Yes, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Well, I know you touched on this a little bit. I would love to talk to you more about just your experience as an artist and then becoming a wife and a mom and that, you know, integrating being a mom with your work as well. You know, what does that look like? Like, I'm I'm always really honest. Um, When I had my first child, Raphael, in London, I would try to keep everything the same Mm. in my life. And I believed with all my heart I could. And I could. With one child, I was doing okay. Like I would still cart him in, we call it a buggy or I think you call it a stroller. Mm -hmm. I'd cart him into the West End to our artist house gatherings and make him sort of sleep in there and have all these kind of creatives around and I and I remember some people really admiring my I remember I was producing Project Dance in London as well and I would take him in the you know he was five months old and I would take him to everything but I'm telling you it was hard because I'm keeping them not just keeping them quiet like you know this is my life you need to be quiet Mm -hmm. and fit in but keeping them settled and happy and watered and fed all those things like it's and then trying to produce event it's it's difficult And then when I had my second child in London, 14 months later, which was a crazy close, I, that's when I went, I don't, I can't keep my life the way it was at all. Yeah, that pace. And I can't because I am now, I tried, um, but I had a really difficult second child and that she wasn't a feeding and I don't want to bore the listeners with that story, but it basically meant that I didn't sleep at all. Mm -hmm. And so I had two children and my husband was going to work all day and I'm, Literally at one point, I remember that's how crazy and driven I was that I went to an audition with two children and put them in the room with me on the side and I did the audition. 
However, you know, the, the producers are going to think, oh, she can't get a sitter. I, why would I hire her? But I'm still like, I'm showing up because I have an audition and this is what I do. Right. I found it, I found it really hard to lay it down. And to be honest with you, I never laid it down. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up getting an au pair um, in uh, because I didn't have any family to help support because we had moved our lives away mm-hmm. to pursue our career and our calling and so we didn't have any kind of free babysitting so we had a live-in au pair for quite a few years and they that meant I could do everything I wanted again which is great so I would go into a class and come home and so I could kind of make that work for freelance life that's not fair everybody it was actually very affordable more affordable than the hourly rate because they're living with you yeah um so I did that for my remainder of my years in London and then we moved to Melbourne which is Australia's arts capital which is debatable because it's also Sydney yeah (laughs) and um yeah I continue to have to like whenever something comes up I'm on the phone to what I've got a list on speed dial of potential nannies and I'm like can you come over and then I'm thinking oh, I've got to pay so it's like another expense to do an audition mm-hmm. so there is actually a lot of challenges in in Korea but when I think about my life and I think when I'm 70 maybe older I don't know <laughs> I still plan to be acting I want to be Judy Dench yes <laughs> <laughs> when I'm that age I don't want to regret not being available to my children and I know that I won't care about whether I got another contract. I will only care about whether my children that are now grown up mm-hmm. want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. So I, in terms of priorities, I absolutely know that my children are far more important than my career, hands down. But it, it's, a, it's a sort of cycle where I go, if I'm going to go on mission, I'm not going to leave them behind every time. Yeah. I'm going to take them with me, which we've done in Bulgaria, and push them in prams past people eating out of bins, as well as past the Eiffel Tower the week before yeah. like they've they've experienced everything and my husband and I we're just a team and we just kind of grit our way through all the challenges of that the long flights of not sleeping on the plane or watching movies because you're keeping them right settled the extra cost you have to raise to yeah. take them as well because 100% they are them being a part of my life and me continuing with what I do is going to bless them because they get brought in exactly. rather than my life my life stops. And as a performer, a lot of people do lay down their gift. But as you know, as a dancer and a singer, and those, those skills very quickly rust. Mm-hmm. So it's not as simple as I'm going to leave my job in this sort of office and come back to it. It doesn't work that way for the arts. Right, right. This thing, your body will disintegrate. So it's, it's a definitely unique. But I'm so determined to to do all of it, but I must, my biggest thing is I got to bring them with me as much as possible, mm-hmm. not to auditions every time. Right. That's not, that's not good form, but mm-hmm. um, as much as possible, they're included. Like my son this afternoon has a call back for something. Oh, that's um, so sweet. How old yeah, is he now? So they, he's six. <laughs> he's going to call back for a TV show and he's going to be doing that this afternoon. And my daughter as well, she loves dancing. And so I do ballet with her at home when I'm doing my class. So, That's so there's fun. a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of see us do. And I think it's this beautiful circle of juggle and sometimes mess and sometimes really beautiful balance and that's okay all of it's fine right it's just, it it's looks part like of what it. it looks like it's part, part of the of journey it, yeah. yeah and that's that yeah. I can definitely see how that them going along with you and going along for the journey and being a part of the mission I think that will yeah. really feed into their lives as well and you yeah. know become a part 
of their heart for for others mm-hmm. and for mission and for the arts yeah. and everything. Yeah, and um, it's actually the model of the founder of Creative Arts Europe or Creative Missions who said to me, people seeing you here with your family is a testimony to good family mm. and is a witness in itself and he allowed us to do it. So even if I was the only one teaching, he would still let my husband and children come where other people wouldn't. And mm-hmm. so the model of bringing them really came from somebody who knows how important it is for people to see yeah. healthy family and it definitely encourages other people to say, you know, maybe that's what I'd like one day or I could work towards. Right. So. Yeah, I think family is so yeah. important and they, there's – it is definitely a battle against family. I feel like right now in the world or just absolutely in general in history, maybe, but you know, it's just really good to, um, yeah. to encourage that. And yeah, it builds exactly. and I really believe in that. It's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. I would love to hear kind of what your word of encouragement would be if we could have whoever's mm. listening right across the table from us, yeah. <laughs> you know, on the Zoom mm. call. What, um, what's something maybe on your heart that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think for me as a creative, that's pretty driven, <laughs> that the most important thing is that you're never not working. And I'm not talking about seasons of rest that everybody needs because I've to have approached those places of burnout and needed to to really rest and recharge. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not, the, not that situation that I'm speaking about. But the day-to-day life of being a creative and the juggles and the challenges of whether you have something that you're able to go and get paid for or not, I, I believe you are always working towards what you're doing and creating, whether you're a, a writer and you're just writing with the fact that that might not be published or you're a dancer and you're just doing a class that day. Sometimes just in class is lonely, so I think it's always good to try to get community and on that point, don't be the person who always sits back and waits for somebody else to invite you in. Mm, yeah, It's hard because how vulnerable do we need to make ourselves to get on the phone and say or text or whatever and say, hey, do you want to have a coffee? Yeah. And I do that and I've been doing that a bit lately because I'm like, we're like-minded and being around you is going to energize me and hopefully I energize you. Mm-hmm. And maybe just maybe we'll do some projects together right. if that relationship goes somewhere. But at the very least, and it's a wonderful list, <laughs> we will enjoy each other as company today because we're kindred spirits and we both love the arts and we love Jesus and we love. And you're not going to always find that necessarily in church. It, it, it might be you might be lucky enough to have other people around you that really encourage you there. But if you don't, that shouldn't stop you. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important because we, the arts is collaborative primarily. So you cannot be in isolation all the time. Right. Like um, we are in isolation right, right. now. But in terms of relationship community because the community births projects. Mm, that's so good. So definitely get be vulnerable and reach out and say let's just catch up or I've got an idea for a project who wants to be involved. And then if you are rejected, brace yourself for it. I can't just say a simple, you know, God, all your identity needs to be in God because it does, mm-hmm. but the practical steps to healing that, you've got to go after it. You've got to chase that healing and that sense of worth 
and actually take the hard words sometimes. Like mm. when someone said to me like some cruel things that no girl wants to hear, like you are the wrong size for this role, mm. for example. Yeah. When you hear those things, actually go, you know what, in terms of casting as a product, what is what do I fit? And take the hard word and either do something about it or change to become if you can, and it's and it's like maybe they're saying your dance is not strong enough or your voice isn't quite there, you've got to take that word and work on your skill and not just go, oh, God will do it for me because mm-hmm. my journey is that we have to still do the hard work as right. believers. Um, so I don't super spiritualise my gifts. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I have a supernatural God who loves me and can make a way for me. But he is so much more about what's going on in my heart and my heart journey. And that's individual for each person, what he might be calling you to do. Yeah. Um, so definitely, yeah. So that that would be a bit of a a lot of things. In I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. They're but all that's connected. Kind of my encouragement. Yeah, they're all connected. They really mm-hmm. are. And, the day-to-day, um, I realise I wake up thinking about my creativity and what can I do towards it today. I've started recently streamlining it a bit more and kind of having a more kind of, I mean, this is my goal today. This is what I want to do mm-hmm. today towards my creativity and trying to make it a little bit more streamlined rather than just sort of floating okay, Whatever happens. <laughs> That's taken me years to come to that point, but yeah. I'm glad I act because I don't think you'll ever expire because, you know, there's, they're going to have grandmas. I'm always like, I'll be the grandma on Billy Elliot one day right. when I'm still doing this. At, no one will be left to audition. It's, it's like, I'll be the last one standing. <laughs> Sometimes that's really where it's at is just, you know, staying consistent, yeah. staying committed. Yeah. And a lot of yeah. times it's that commitment and it may be mm. just your willingness to stick it out that's really... Yeah. you know, for a lot of people yeah. that gets you yeah. into those opportunities. So that's so Absolutely. Neat. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's me. <laughs> that's so cool. Well, you're such a yeah. lovely personality and so fun to talk to. And um, one thing that I like to ask all of the guests that come on is what is one mm. of your favorite things right now? Oh, I, it's funny because I am really, really obsessed with the arts. And when people even ask me what my hobbies are, I'm like, I don't think I have any hobbies because all I do from day to day is I'm either singing or I'm acting or I'm writing or I'm doing a Pilates because I like dancing and I want to be able to <laughs> dance. So I, it's funny because I really, I think because of that, I don't have anything else that I sort of do, but I do love putting on headphones, blocking out the world and putting on worship music and walking in nature. Mm. That's something that sometimes it takes me a bit to get out the door because I've got to leave my achieving behind for a minute. <laughs> but when I'm there, I just feel like my mental health is in a, in a better place and I'm more connected to God. So I'd say I love that. And then the obvious things that everybody loves, like a good Netflix binge every now and then. <laughs> Watching, I think it's Agent Carter at the moment on the Disney Channel. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I know it's not the best use of always, but it's nice to have some balance. Yes. Sink into a good series. Exactly. Although I'd be analysing their acting and looking at who cast it. That's that's definitely part of it. Yeah, absolutely love that. And I love all the normal things like girls and like, um, no, chocolate. Not everyone. Cynthia Newland, she's not. She's more of a savoury too. 
Yeah, I love chocolate. And I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, my husband and I are real coffee nerds as well. Like we love flat white. We order beans. We grind our beans. Oh, nice! And then we make this gorgeous coffee every day. So fancy. That's not That's something so fun. I'm willing to lay down. <laughs> love that so are you the kind of person that when you go to a new place you like to try out the different like local coffee shops there oh we have so many funny stories which I won't share all that when we were in America we were like can we have a flat white and so many places don't know what that is because it's in it could I don't know if it's New Zealand or Australia I'm sure the listeners know but it's a drink that comes from this end of the the world so when you're you're over in America, it can be hard to get a good flat white so we went into the cafes there when we were over in December Mm -hmm. And we actually taught the barista how to make it. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it was so funny. And they were such good sports because they were like, and my husband's sort of like, then you do this. And they <laughs> did a good job. That's good. That's so neat. <laughs> so I can't say we go around trying the coffee because the, the best coffee for us is in Melbourne. But <laughs> Europe, doesn't, Europe doesn't really do Australian sort of style coffee. Gotcha, it's, yeah. It's black you know mm-hmm. um, that's not that's not our coffee favorite so. right that's so fun so you don't necessarily try mm. it but you help make it <laughs> help get oh, it yeah. that's so great. <laughs> fix the problem <laughs> love it well this has been yeah. so much fun and I would love for people yeah. to get connected in with you and be able to check mm. out your podcasts and then also dance and form us so where can people find you yeah. Yeah, well, our website is artists with an S, houseinternational.com. And on there, you'll find links to our podcast. And then Dance Informer is really easy because it's danceinformer. Uh, well, actually, it's in the US. If you just type in Dance Informer magazine, whether it's US or it's Australia, we have two editions. Okay. You'll find. And um, the news columns, what I'm doing for them and that's exciting because it's sort of daily like putting things out yeah. news and writing sometimes stories there's a really good one called dancers quit stretching that I wrote recently which mm-hmm. is if you put it into the search you'll find um yeah so there's some fun things and the the Vic dance podcast you'll find where you find good podcasts as well okay. so it's Vic okay. dance pop V-I-C dance podcast <laughs> great well thank you so much yeah. for taking time out of your day to talk and it's so fun connecting with you and just getting yeah. to finally put a face with a name so thank you thank you so much fun getting to know Laura. She truly is a kindred spirit. I pray her story inspires you today to continue in your daily work and foster community right where you are. You can find links from the show in the full show notes on our website. I'm so excited to finally announce our giveaway winner. Our winner is receiving the beautiful Names of God calligraphy print from Caitlin Harbaugh at the Little Blue Desk. Thank you, Caitlin, for your generosity in donating this beautiful print. Drumroll, please. Our giveaway winner is Cianne Smith. Congratulations, Cianne. Thank you to everyone who entered and be listening for our next giveaway coming soon. Next week, my guest for the show is Shizu Yasuda. Shizu is the artistic director of Adeyem 2 Dance Company and a former principal dancer with Adeyem Dance Company. Thank you for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show is produced by Michael Cash. Share the show with a friend, and I'll see you next week for my conversation with Shizu Yasuda. Bye!